Hello and welcome to Talking Upward, the show where we discuss all things TRIO and explore the critical aspects of TRIO programs, including higher education, scholarships, and policy. Ultimately, we discover what educators and students need to know by examining our shared experiences and discuss how we all can stay on the path upward. I'm your host, Reggie Holyfield, and today we have special guest, Mr. Jeremy Harkness, Upward Bound Project Director for Bevel State Community College. So, welcome, Jeremy, to the podcast. Thank you, Reggie. Thank you, Dad. So, if you don't mind, uh, let's just dive into what do you do as a project coordinator? Well, um, there's a lot we do. <laughs> we take on many roles. Uh, pretty much our main goal is we help first generation and what the Department of Education considers low-income students and prepare them for life after high school. They can be developing skills for the workplace, but we also help them prepare for college and uh, try to get them the best situation for life after high school. Right. And so you work with an upper bound trio program, correct? Correct. Right. So that, that encompasses pre-college students or students in college already. It encompasses pre-college. Our grant has nine target schools and two different counties, Jefferson and Walker County in Alabama. Okay. Okay. So for those of our listeners who are not familiar with it, um, so the trio body includes eight programs uh, encompassing upper bound, upper bound math science, which are geared towards pre-college students. They have EOC programs, which are educational opportunity centers, the McNair uh, program, for uh, students interested in grad school, uh, veterans upper bound, talent search, so on and so forth. And these are uh, programs established by the federal government and provide grants to programs to essentially help uh, low-income and first-generation students uh, achieve their dreams. So could you talk about some of the challenges you've had? And I know uh, a, lot of the, a lot of times we talk about COVID and how COVID has impacted you know, community colleges, four-year institutions, uh, the mental health of our students. But a lot of times we don't get to see that from the aspect of an educator or coordinator. even. Well, um, pre-COVID, we can, we, there was things that we had to deal with. A lot of times in education, we kind of get focused on the standardized testing and the numbers. Mm-hmm. But one thing that, especially we learned in Upward Bound, there was more to it to help prepare for student life after high school. Uh, I'm really big on growth mindset. Sometimes, it's developing maturity and so forth. So there's a lot of things we work on and I'm really big on grit because when I first started as a coordinator, I asked myself, what, what characteristics am I looking for that makes a successful student? And we just as a society in general, we kind of get stuck on data and we, we get about ACT scores and GPAs and, one thing I noticed very early on in my career is some of my students who had the highest ACT scores didn't fare well when they got into college. And I, that always bothered me. So one thing that I quickly noticed, and I think this is even coming a bigger deal after COVID, is students tend to have what I call a fixed mindset. 
now if anyone ever looks um carol dwick if you would read her book mindset she's really big on the growth and fixed mindset i noticed that sometimes students may have it easy in high school and think those same skills are going to translate to college and they may not know how to do things like study because they never had to they may not understand deadlines and that's always tripped them up and with covid it changed the entire game uh, we're rural where i'm at it's very rural so some of them never we still have areas that don't have proper internet right. so right. our students got crushed upon that during COVID because they couldn't go to a traditional school. So they had to do Schoology and Google and they struggled because what they got thrust upon was they had to meet deadlines. There was no strict structure like in a high school, for example, okay, I'm going to take this class at this time. This teacher told me I'll do this work. Now it's, Here's your assignment. Get them done by this day. Very similar to college. And students struggled. And it was part of that grit that really we try to help our students out because, like I said before, my first few years, I had eight students. Their top ACT scores were 27. And out of those eight students, four didn't even make it through one semester of college. And a lot of it was they never dealt with adversity before. They didn't understand deadlines. They didn't understand that, hey, I might actually have to study, and they struggled. So one thing that I've had to work on a lot with my students is, hey, uh, how do you study? What's your, uh, what's your learning style? Most students today don't even know their learning style. It's something I struggled with when I was in high school. How do you study? Right. What do you do with deadlines? Right. And even in our program, you know, we see that often as well. You have to build out and help students with these timelines. Um, a lot of times, you know, it, it may seem assumed that students understand and know how to do certain things and how to navigate um, these paths. But I think that's what's important about our programs and TRIO in general is we help students learn that foundation, those foundational skills. You know, this is the matriculation path from secondary education to post-secondary education. These are some of the things that you need to look at. Here are, you know, financial literacy courses. You know, here's how we file the FAFSA and things like that. So I think you, you hit, it, hit it on the head with that, and students definitely have to have grit. Um, you mentioned, you know, having students with higher ACT scores that don't necessarily translate to how well they fare in college at the next level. Um, I've called it in the past a false growth mindset where in high school it may have been easier because one thing I've taught my kids, and it's, uh, I'm, I joke I'm the king of one-liners, that a lot of high school classes are focused on memorization. And I try to teach my students that college is more about understanding the material. And they get in the standardized test and they get good at memorization but I'll ask a kid, I've had a student come to me and go, hey, Mr. Jeremy, I got an A in sociology, and I'll ask, well, what did you learn? And they can't tell me anything. Right. Com and, comprehension and is definitely a big topic, you know, in, in the next level. So I tried to work on that and work on the grit and try to make them understand that 
yes, you're doing really good at this level, but you're about to go into another level and it's a required different kind of learning. And that's kind of one of the main things I especially work on with my seniors is they have to understand that concept or they may struggle. And like I said, I'll have some that are great at memorization. They develop memorization techniques, but then they get to the part of the understanding and they struggle. And then if they've never faced that adversity, and I'm really big on how you handle adversity. Uh, my students, they can quote me on adversity that they shut down. And that's why it's called a false growth mindset because you would think they have a growth mindset, but the minute they encounter that challenge, they've never had to handle it and they shut down. Absolutely. I, I remember to this day, you know, I had a high school teacher that introduced us to uh, cognitive dissonance <laughs> and that, you know, that holds true. Once we face that one challenge or we, we face any challenge, you know, it's, it's how do we, handle those situations. And you, sp you spoke on adversity. We tend to focus on that with a lot of our seniors. And, you know, one of the ways that we introduce that is by sharing our own experiences. So working with uh, first-generation college students, a lot of times they don't have those uh, supports in place or uh, those mentors in place that can help guide them. So as a first-generation college student myself, you know, I, I kind of use my story to help lay uh, that groundwork for them. And so with that being said, you know, what, what kind of professional training or, you know, your educational background do you bring to the table? And do you share those types of experiences with your students? I do. Cause I was a first generation college student myself and my background, I unfortunately had to deal with a lot of adversity growing up uh, with one parent being an addict and another one unfortunately was a victim of a random gun violence that left her disabled for her whole life. So I grew up with that rough background. So that helps me with my students is I can understand the pitfalls and some of the doubt that our students face growing up in those rough situations. I never thought I was college material and <laughs> I was probably considered one of the worst high school students. Uh, I was the kid that skipped class. I was the kid that slept through class because I never thought education was important because I never thought I was one of those who could go to college. And that's something I've learned as an upward bound coordinator is that's part of, that's one of the first things you need to work on when you start getting your kids is to help build that confidence. I use an analogy that with someone with a growth mindset, when they look at college, they see a staircase. It may be a long staircase, but you easily know you can take one step at a time. But a lot of our first generation students, they kind of see a wall and then they see the whole picture and they see it is impossible or I'm going to have to climb this. I have to overcome so much and they see it differently. So that's helped me a lot. And I, I can remember when I got went to college the first time and having very little self-confidence in myself. And I needed that mentor. And I didn't, luckily for me, I got it my second semester in college. And it was just as simple as one of my instructors pulled me to the side and said, Jeremy, you have more potential than you believe. And that was it. 
it wasn't some fancy quote or anything. I just needed someone that I said, hey, this person has made it. They went through college, and they're saying, I can do this too. And that helped started continuing my growth. Absolutely. You made a point in the beginning there that kind of resonated with me. I think, you know, that's just an outlook that a lot of students from that first generation background have is that, you know, I have to be from X, Y, Z background in order to go, or I don't, you know, I need to come from an affluent family in order to go. And so I, I think that when we're in positions like what we are as coordinators and as uh, educational professionals, a lot of our students see us as finished products, but the truth yeah. of the matter is we're works in progress. And I think sharing those experiences with them definitely kind of work. You mentioned, um, again, also adversity. Do you want to uh, speak on that a little more? Maybe, you know, were, were you feeling like an imposter syndrome or, you know, were you on the opposite end there kind of pretentious? Well, um, like I said, growing up, I came from the rough side. And I had that idea, like I said before, is for me, college was for the really genius kids and the ones who had the money to send kids off. So I never thought that I was a college student. The only reason why I even tried was I wanted to make my mother happy. And when we're talking about mm. imposter syndrome, I literally thought my first semester at Bevel State Community College, I was going to go one semester, flunk out, and at least I can tell my mama I tried. And I, did not realize what imposter syndrome was to I was trio coordinator about four or five years in and I was at a conference and they started talking about it and I was like, wait, that was me. I didn't realize how bad I had. I used to have nightmares throughout my time in college where someone was going to come and say, hey, you shouldn't be here. You're a fraud and kick me out of college. A lot of now going back and looking at it in an educator's eyes, I can see a lot of the things I did in high school and college was it wasn't me trying to be a destructive student. It was more I didn't have the confidence because those bad habits I had in high school followed me into college. I'll never forget my first week. An instructor said, I don't keep attendance. You come, you come, that's on you. And I was just like, wow. And then I found out they can't call my mom to tell if I'm in class or not. So I started skipping classes. <laughs> but that imposter syndrome <laughs> was, I thought I wasn't going to make it anyway. So what was the point of really trying? Mm. And I see that in a lot of our students because they, we all have our fears. And one of the greatest fears we have is giving something 100% and still failing. So why try when I'm not going to make it anyway? Mm. And, I, and I'm going to be honest. I had people tell me that I was not college material. And unfortunately for some people and our kids today, if they have people telling them they're not college material, they tend to start believing it themselves. So I, I had it. And like I said, it took those mentors saying, Jeremy, you belong here. To change my mindset to the point where it was, well, I'm just going to be here to make my mother happy too. I want to learn. I want to, I want to have discussions with my instructors. I want to ask questions. A lot of the things that our students struggle with today, we try to say, well, students today, it's not that. It's 
they don't want to ask questions because they see their instructors and they see their professors and they see this they have the degrees in place and they're really smart and they're so afraid to sound stupid so they don't ask right you saying that you know i reflected on my college application process you'd be surprised at the amount of people the number of people when I mentioned going to college, one of the first questions they would ask me is, hey, uh, where are you going to play at? You know, because I was I was a, a bigger size kid in high school, a black male. And they're like, well, you know, where are you going to go play at? What are you playing? Are you going to play football or what? And I'm like, no, I'm going on an academic scholarship. You know, and that, that kind of took a lot of people by surprise. So there's definitely a lot of doubters um, and, and haters, if you will, when you're on a path upward. And I'll say this, especially for, I've seen this a lot in first-generation kids. If they don't have the best home life, sometimes their greatest obstacle and their greatest adversity is their home, where they're going to, like, you just need to work. You, I don't know why I'm thinking this. This is not for you. And sometimes, as a coordinator, you have to deal with that, where you have to build them back up. Indeed. And one of the things we do in our target schools is we're fast with training. I is of my belief all trio personnel should be FAFSA trained. And when I go out, you'd be surprised how many times I'll be helping someone and I say, hey, you have a full Pell Grant. And they're like, what's that mean? I'm like, let me tell you your worst case scenario. Your worst case scenario is you can go to any community college in Alabama for free and get money back. And you'll see the students' eyes get all wide like, wait, I can actually go to college? Because they've been told, well, we can't afford it, so you shouldn't even be thinking about it. And I'll tell you something else that really does break my heart as a coordinator is sometimes these kids are told, because you live in rural Alabama, you shouldn't even think about going to a four-year university. Hmm. Uh, two Two years ago, I was at one of my schools, and I asked my group, I was like, raise your hand if you've been told because you go here, you just need to go straight to Bevel. And every one of them raised their hand, every one of them. And, you know, when you have seniors, you do have the real talk. But a freshman and sophomore should not be told you're destined to go here just because of where you're at. And we got to realize that our students – they have, they have other voices, and sometimes they can be the opposite of what you say, and it takes time to build that relationship with your students. If you've got a sophomore that you just had for a couple of months, you might be competing with a family member that's known their whole life, and you're telling them something different. And that can, that can be very challenging. Absolutely. I agree. So with those mechanisms in place, you know, those deterrents, that deficit mindset that may come from the home life. As a coordinator, you know, what are some of the things that you recommend or that you say to a student that is interested in going into your field of work or even just going to college? One of the first things I would recommend is first be genuine with your students. I think that is one of the number one keys for coordinators is kids have street smarts. They're going to quickly figure out if you're if it's just a job for you and they're just a number or if it's a call-in, you really do care about the student. 
one of the first things I do the very first month after we get them, our application is a very lengthy process, which we do that for a reason. And one of the forms requires to get a recommendation from either the counselor or the teacher. And the student never sees those forms. So one of the first things I do is I'll sit down and I'm like, let me tell you all something right now. Upward Bound is a little different from the other TRIO programs because we can be a little more selective because we have a smaller uh, student body compared to others. I'll tell my students that, hey, everyone in here has someone at this school who is backing you, who, uh, who recommended you for this program. So there are people that believe in you and believe that you can do this and you can do that. And because you've been selected, please understand that this organization believes in you too. You automatically start trying to build that confidence. I think I've always said it's the foundation. Because if they understand that you are genuine and you truly care for them, there may be that time you have to give tough love and be really real with a student. But if they understand the love part, you can be tough with them. You can have real talk. Once you develop that foundation and they genuinely trust in you, they're more open to listen. And sometimes that does take time. So my first, my advice always is build that foundation. Be genuine. Be real with them. You don't have to necessarily be their best friend or you don't have to act like a parent, but build that foundation. I consider that key. And then get to know each student. Like I said, that's a lot easier if you're in upward bound in education talent search. But each student has its own strengths and weaknesses. And if you're, if you learn more about that student, you'll know what you need to work on with each individual. And that really does help them out. We appreciate you stopping uh, by and spending some of your time with us here. Oh, I, I have, I enjoy this completely. I'm glad that you're doing this. I hope other trio people listen and because each, each one of us does things differently. But one thing I've noticed with a lot of the good person others in trio, they have a passion for this. They have a passion for their students. So I hope people listen and I'm very interested in uh, hearing from, uh, from other podcasts. That is the goal with talking upward. We appreciate your time, ladies and gentlemen. Jeremy Harkness from Bevel State Community College. Uh, thank y'all. All right.